you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. epistles since the Sunday after Pentecost. So back when it was spring and we were excited about daffodils blooming and uh, the hope for the warmth of summer, we, we started going through the book of Romans. And we spent a long time in Romans looking at what it means for churches that are deeply divided uh, to unite together in the love of Christ. Felt timely. Just a few things had uh, been going on in the life of United Methodism and local United Methodism that uh, made us ask the question of how do you love one another even when you have deep, deep struggles? Felt timely. Uh, and then we jumped into the book of Philippians that said, uh, how then do you as a group that has stayed together kind of live together? Uh, and the answer was uh, across the board, uh, you trust in Christ who emptied himself that at every turn, you look to him, and just as he emptied himself and kind of uh, loved out of these moments, you do the same thing. And Darren uh, brought just this beautiful message last week of, of even the pain of sitting in uh, difficult moments with those you love. And it has felt timely. Um, we're, we're preaching these texts from the lectionary, so they were picked some hundreds of years ago. Uh, so it is not like we sat down and went, ah, I bet these are going to be perfect texts for the United Methodist Church at this point. They just happen to be what we have. And uh, this week we turned to the book of 1 Thessalonians, and it has felt awfully timely. You know, Greg said he had to Google what uh, 1 Thessalonians was about, and he's not the only one. I'm sure uh, many of you uh, can, can think through maybe what's happening in the Gospels, but if, you, if I said, Janelle, what is the cultural context of the book of 1 Thessalonians uh, might not come right off the tip of your tongue, and I'll be honest, it didn't for me either. Uh, this, this, this letter to the church in Thessalonica meets a church who is weary, a church who is tired, a church who is wondering why Christ has not come again. This is all right in the first 10 verses of this book. Paul is trying to comfort them in the midst of a deep. You apostles said that Jesus would be back and things would be hard for a little while. We expected this to happen. You told us not to get married because why would we do this? Jesus is coming any day and, and now he's not here and things are still bad and people are still mean and it is hard to live in this town. Thessalonica is a center of Greco-Roman religious uh, practice. Uh, this is the uh, hotbed of the worship of Zeus and Aphrodite and uh, one other whose name I have completely forgotten right in this moment. But this is the way that you live in Thessalonica is by uh, participation. Oh, Caesar, he's the other God you worship. Uh, you, you worship these three uh, and you are an esteemed part of society and you are welcomed. And, and when you don't, things are very hard. 
In the book of Acts, in the, I believe the 16th chapter, we read the story of Paul's first journey to Thessalonica where he goes to the synagogues and begins to tell the story of this Jesus that he knows and has been captivated by. And, and the story is that he, he uh, converts some people to Christianity and goes to this one house of somebody named Jason. And, and immediately people come and beat down the doors and uh, run Paul out of town uh, because he has disrupted the, the religious life of Thessalonica. And this stays the context for the church in Thessalonica uh, through Paul's writings to them. Every day, something else is hard. Every day, somebody else is ridiculing you. Every day, there's another job to be done in the house church. Every day, there's another conflict that they have to deal with. And, and they have been, by all accounts, faithful. Paul uh, praises them uh, from the very beginning. He doesn't start with, woe to you, church of Thessalonica, I'm sick of your groaning and your whining. Could you just toughen up? I've heard about your love. I've heard about your faith, and I've heard about your hope, and I've heard about the things these have produced. I've heard about the work you have been doing despite how hard it is. I had a whole different sermon written like two weeks ago for this, and uh, it has felt like at every turn over the last couple weeks, I have heard a story of weariness after weariness. Um, whether it's things in our life or a deep weariness for those, th those people outside of our lives, for grandkids who are hurting without answers, for uh, struggles in our personal life, for work that is overwhelming, for uh, a longing for things to just be easier, uh, at every turn, there's a weariness. And it goes from the little things of, uh, I am tired of not sleeping through the night every night. Uh, we fosters, if there was ever a night uh, for our children to wake up, Saturday night would not be the night. Uh, and we had a two and a half hour just sore neck last night in the middle of the night. Uh, and, and, and from that to a question of, will this loved one uh, ever exit rehab? Questions of uh, friends who are stuck in foreign countries because they can't get uh, medically stable enough to cross the Atlantic and get back over here. Stories of longing for uh, different relationships. Stories of uh, families where literally uh, we have intergenerational problems that are causing great harm. The people who are just tired. There's a weariness that I've heard a lot lately. And, and I'll be honest, there's a weariness sometimes I hear with church. This should be easier. Those of you who've been around a while know that it does not always get easier, does it? I wish the sermon was, today we're preaching the parable where Jesus said that we'd just be healthy, wealthy, and wise, but it isn't ever there. And Paul's message to the church at Thessalonica isn't, well, if you just had a little more faith, it'd be super easy. It's I love you in the midst of the struggles and I care for you. And I don't have easy answers for you. This is where Paul frustrates me at times because uh, you know, pop Christianity says that pastors should have easy answers for all your problems, right? If you just flip to the like simple prayers for everyday problems, if we pray this prayer, things will be easier. And if we just implement this program at the church, things will be easier. And if we just do this thing, they will be easier. But Paul just says, no, actually the only thing I can tell you is it is really hard and I love you and I'm praying for you. 
The one who died a death for our sakes, who is giving you his spirit, will sustain you until that time when Christ comes again. Since those days, people have begun to formulate when that time is, right? We have lived through it. Uh, uh, I know we often want to say, can you believe they're predicting the end times? It has been happening uh, since day one. Paul is writing to people who are predicting the end times. Uh, if you live through Y2K, it was a really good time to predict the end, end times. And uh, 2023 was supposed to be the end times a couple points already. April something was for sure supposed to be the end times. Uh, because th there is this longing that Christ will come again and make things new. Even if your life is wonderful, you don't have to look far right this moment to see something that is not okay, right? You literally cannot pull up your smart device without a notification right now of something happening in the world that is tragically wrong. Our, our weekly prayer guide is, uh, we, we do it a week early so that it can be printed and prepared and ready to go. And so next Sundays, I was beginning to look at all the places where there's active conflict, where um, over 2,000 people have died this year, and the list just kept going. You don't have to look far to see pain. Uh, you, you can look to our current political landscape and uh, quite frankly the deadlock we are in politically as a country and see that, that there is just a broken uh, system in America that is separating us deeply. You can look to the prayer request that we print each week. You can look around and say, who do I know that is hurting? Come, Lord Jesus, come, right? At this point, it's when I'm supposed to pivot the sermon, Luann. If Todd were here, he'd do a much better job of pivoting to happy. And uh, here is the uh, beautiful takeaway moment. Uh, I'm just gonna reiterate Paul's message. I give thanks for the way you have trusted in God that you have leaned on the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, that they have sustained you in the easy times and the hard times, that uh, when things just clicked, you loved, and when things felt like they were grinding to a halt, you loved. And I give thanks that uh, in the midst of all that our denomination and church has been through, Christ's spirit has remained with you and you have turned to him. I give thanks that uh, even when we are weary, uh, just as they did for the church at Thessalonica, this faith and this hope and this love produces a work, a work that says even a hard church is worthwhile. She's too precious to forsake. And this will be Paul's, whoo, this feels like a sign from God at 10 minutes and 42 seconds into sermon to wrap it up. Uh, there's no need to belabor the point. May Christ's faith, hope, and love be your faith, hope, and love. May they be the things that sustain you when it is hard, and may it be the things that sustain us as a church when it's not easy. I've given up on uh, this idea that if we can implement this plan or do this thing, uh, it'll just be easy breezy. We're gonna, we're gonna do a lot of work this fall on revealing or unveiling uh, some new ways of thinking about discipleship. There's gonna be new things to do, and yet I know uh, we can look up a year from this November and go, it is still hard. 
This is not the plan that's going to fix everything. Uh, we can't give you a surefire prescription to, uh, uh, to life abundant. But what she can tell you to the place where there is love abundant. And that's the throne of grace, friends. Christ who died, Christ who is risen, and Christ will come again. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you uh, transformed Paul's hard heart of stone uh, into a heart of flesh. And that he uh, went forth in your spirit uh, and struggle. That he gathered friends like, uh, like Silas and Timothy, like Phoebe, like Priscilla and Aquila, and planted churches in places that uh, it was hard. And Lord, we thank you that your spirit was present right in their midst, uh, building uh, a people of faith, hope, and love. Lord, we thank you that the church has saved these words of encouragement, uh, that when times are uh, wearisome, that our call is to virtue. And so, Lord, may you fill us with your spirit and with your grace, that we might be a people of faith, hope, and love, that we might uh, be filled with your grace to go about the day you have called us to Lord, lavish us with that grace that we might be transformed in your image, that we might love you more fully and that we might love our neighbor more fully and that in and through us, the world might see your face. We pray this in the name of the one who gave themselves up for us, Jesus, our Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.